people quickly realize you're not creating a mastermind so that you can be the teacher. You're creating a mastermind so you can just facilitate the collaborations and the teachings amongst each other. Welcome to the Vince Del Monte Podcast Show, where each week we bring you the raw and real experiences, lessons, and timeless principles every man needs to master the five M's of manhood. By sharing conversations with the world's most successful people pursuing the five M's, you'll build muscle faster, achieve a winner's mindset, increase your money, dominate your mission, and go the distance with your marriage. My name is Vince Del Monte, entrepreneur, author, pro fitness model, and father. And I've helped tens of thousands of men transform their bodies and lives through muscle, entrepreneurship, and personal development. Thank you for spending some time with me today. Now let's begin. Hey, it's Vince Delmani, and I just finished up an awesome podcast with successful entrepreneur and the creator of the For Love of Money podcast and mastermind, Chris Harder. And Chris believes that when good people make good money, they do great things. And we just had a really cool conversation, and we covered everything from sales to marriage to networking to running a mastermind and uh, everything in between. We really talked about how to level up your mindset and the business acumen you need to blow your targets away. And uh, I asked him uh, what his greatest uh, learning was when he um, had dinner with Grant Cardone, and we talked about the number one mistake costing you more money than anything else in your business. This is the single greatest overhead uh, today, tomorrow, and forever to come. So if you just listen for this one thing, it'll be worth your time. And uh, you know, I, I asked him about who he's looking to network with and uh, his steps to uh, getting closer to Mark Cuban and Richard Branson and what it will take for you to network with A-list celebrities to advance your own network. This was really, really cool stuff, simple stuff. And we talked a lot about how he runs his mastermind and the process he uses to get the right people in the group. So if you're thinking about starting a high-level coaching program, you definitely want to listen in for that reason. And uh, so, so much more. I think uh, the stuff we talked about in terms of building a marriage in the context of having a business together with your wife was one of the most uh, helpful and practical parts of the conversation and some simple steps that you can implement right away to lay a solid foundation, solid roots, so that your uh, marriage can thrive and fly. So without further ado, my new buddy and successful entrepreneur, all-around amazing guy, Chris Harder. Enjoy the episode. Hey, Chris Harder. Welcome, man. Vince, how you doing, man? Yeah, it's just, this is super cool. I was just out in uh, California, actually, at uh, a half-day coaching with Bejo's Cooling, and he spoke super highly of you and Lori and what you guys are doing. And I was like, man, I got to get this guy on the podcast. We have so many mutual friends like that. Bedros is just an outstanding guy. And same thing, I've heard so much great stuff about you. So I'm really excited to see where this goes. Yeah, you know what? I would love to just hear your story. And, uh, you know, I'd love to hear, you know, eventually I'd love to talk about uh, how uh, you and Lori work together. I think that's a really interesting conversation. Recently in my mastermind in New York City, I had Flavia come up on stage for literally, I would say, five minutes. And she was with her third baby, our eight week year old. So she was, you know, wasn't there so much to participate, but to support. And I said, Flavi, get your butt up on stage. And uh, I just had her share a few words on what it's like to be married to an entrepreneur and, and what that's like. And I had a couple people pull me aside and they said, that was the best part. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Just because people are intrigued, you know, it's, it's all kinds of partnerships, right? It's some, sometimes it's a romantic partnership in business and other times it's just how do you get along with your business partners? So we'll totally go there. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a bit about your story and, uh, you know, what was, um, you know, Chris doing in his teens and university kind of give me your story for sure. So I am Midwest born and raised. And, and the really good thing about being born and raised in the Midwest is I think you're raised with really good morals, really good work ethic, um, you know, just great foundational stuff. And if you can take those really strong foundational attributes to one of the coasts where, you know, everything's going on, that's like the perfect one-two punch. And so that's what Lori and I ended up doing was, you know, we're both Midwest born and raised and decided to move out here to LA and pursue all of our dreams. It worked out pretty good. But the road to getting out here was more of a roller coaster than anything else. You see, 
I went to college, but only because my parents wanted me to. And when I got there, all I did was party and party and party. And finally, after two and a half years, the college actually kicked me out. They're literally like, we don't want your money anymore. You're bad for us. Like you're out here. And I remember I was like really excited because I didn't want to be there. I already wanted to be out like participating in the economy, so to speak. But my parents, they were devastated. They're like, my poor kid, you know, your life's over. And so I went and I got a job at a car dealership of all places. Now, here's what's kind of cool about that. Number one, I just loved cars. So I thought it'd be a good fit. But number two, it was there that I was able to learn sales and leadership. And I feel like if you can really get sales and leadership down, then you can write your ticket anywhere. And I quickly became the number one salesman there in like four months. And then I ended up running their finance department. And that's where I learned leadership and managing other people. And it was great for a couple of years until the mortgage boom started happening, until the banking boom started happening. And all my friends were getting into that. And of course, I wanted to get over there and make more money. So I went and I talked my way into a job that I was not qualified for at a bank. And I remember when I walked into the interview, the guy said, hey, I already picked out my guy. So let's do this anyways, kind of a thing. And it went from that type of rough start to at the end, he said, you know what? You've totally flipped me around. The job's yours. When can you start? Cool. So I started out as an entry level uh, loan officer and I ended up working my way up through the world's largest international bank until I was an executive there. And it was great. It was like this positive atmosphere of sales and leadership and, and positivity and training and just really cool things. And it was great until the recession hit. And when the recession hit, everything just turned to crap and morale was down. I had to spend an entire year flying around closing down bank branches. And I remember I told, God, I think we let go over a thousand people in that year, just telling them one-on-one-on-one, on one on one, hey, we're letting you go. Here's what your service package is. What questions do you have? And it was the worst year of my life. You know, internally, I was a mess. Externally, I gained 30 pounds because all I would do is comfort eat and comfort drink when I was in the hotel at the end of the day. And my marriage was at its low point as well, because when you're a a miserable individual, of course, you're a miserable partner Mm -hmm. and something had to change. So when they came to me and they said, hey, do you want to take a demotion of a demotion of a demotion of a demotion, wait this thing out running a branch in Jersey, or do you want your severance package? I said, give me the severance package. Like I'm out of here. My wife wants me out of here. We need a fresh start. Now here's the problem, Vince. I crushed it in that career. But I also had us living way beyond our means because I thought it would last forever. Huh. We always bought homes that were too big, cars that were, you know, too many cars, too many everything. It was my identity, let's call it, was just totally skewed in my huh. 20s. And so despite having a great career, we pissed away absolutely everything. So not only was I jobless at this point, not only did I take my entire multi-six-figure severance package to pay off debt, we also had to short sell our house, get and end up moving into a tiny little apartment, Minneapolis, Minnesota, to totally start over. Now, in the time, it did not feel like a blessing, let me tell you. Hmm. But looking back on it, this was the greatest year or moment or whatever you want to call it of our lives because this is where Lori got to stand up and say, you know what, enough is enough. I'm going to go pursue my dreams because I'm not going to let this happen again. And it's where I got to say, I've been stripped of my identity what do wow. I really want to show up like? It became the beginning of our entrepreneurship career, so to speak. Well, so, so are you saying that Lori felt like she needed to kind of step in because maybe she lost faith in, in you coming through or uh, not yeah. being able to do um, maybe broken promises kind of thing? So here's exactly what happened was I would move her to a new city every single year because I'd get a big promotion every single year. So, uh-huh. you know, we'd move to a city. I'd say, babe, go pick out a house. I'm getting on an airplane. And that happened year after year after year. And I used to think being a good provider was just making sure that your spouse didn't have to work and that they could live in really nice accommodations without worries. Now, I look back and I think, what a joke that is. Like, what a (laughs) funny definition of being a good provider. But nonetheless, that was my paradigm at the time. And when we lost everything and had to start over, it was was not her losing faith. It was her saying, I'm never going to leave the basket again. And I haven't had a chance to pursue my calling. So if ever there was a time to do it, I'm going to do it right now. And I remember at the time I was just burnt out and miserable. And I had probably lost confidence in myself at that point. And I was so relieved that she wanted to take the wheel for a while. And, you know, boy, did it turn out well. Okay, great. So 
So, so I want to come back to that, but I w- I'm really curious to know about some of the big lessons you learned from sales. Oh, what's uh, how important is sales, man? I mean, I know on your podcast, uh, for the love of money, you, you, you unapologetically tell people like the key tools is, is sales one of them. Oh, absolutely. If you can get sales down, then you can write your ticket anywhere. And, and the key to sales is really just understanding first and foremost, that it's nothing more than an energy exchange, right? Somebody's exchanging something they created and love, whether it's a program, whether it's a service, whether it's a product for the other form of energy called money. That's it. So it's an equal energy exchange every time you make a sale. And to make a sale, all you have to do is be a fantastic artist at asking open-ended questions, getting the other person talking about what means a lot to them, and then coming in with the solution. If you can rein yourself in and just be great at asking open-ended questions, they are always going to reveal the, te- the answers to the test, so to speak. Oh, that's great, man. Where, where's your sales training from? Are you, uh, are you a student of anybody specifically or a specific book, program, or anything? Got, yeah, I've got a great story about that. So when I dropped out of college and I was in the car dealership, um, they took the top performing car salesmen, you know, five or six of us to, this was in Green Bay, Wisconsin by the time, smaller town, to Milwaukee where this young, loud, you know, traveling sales trainer was, do, you know, stopping by Milwaukee to do a, a sales training on how to sell cars. Now it turned out at the time that it was Grant Cardone. So I remember being there learning at this all day seminar from Grant Cardone. I sat in the front row and he totally reached me. Actually, he actually is the very first person that number one taught me or made me feel like I could be a ninja at sales. And number two, that made me realize, wait a second, I don't want to be the salesperson. I want to be the person training the salespeople. And so that was a very formative shift for me when I saw him 20 years ago doing that training. Now I lost track of him. You know, we didn't have Facebook or Instagram or any of that stuff back then. So, you know, he was in and out of town and that was the end of it. And he changed my life and nobody really knew about it until years later, when we circled back around and became friends, we were out at dinner and I was able to tell him that story that, Hey, Grant, you don't probably remember this, but at the time it was 18 years ago, 18 years ago, you came to Milwaukee, Wisconsin, you talked to a bunch of us car salesmen and you literally changed my life. And we just had this great full circle moment that that's cool just how people can come in and out of your life, you know? Hey, what are some of your favorite grant philosophies? What are your, uh, some of the bullets? He drops so many bullets, you know, money's useless until you use it. You know, uh, your strangers have everything you need. You got to stop being reasonable. Who's got your money, right? Yeah. Which one, which one's really hit you, man? Oh, you know what? It's who's got your money for sure. For me, it's who's got your money. Cause here's what he's really saying. He's really saying, if you feel like you're not making enough sales, if you feel like you're not being successful enough, if you feel like you, you know, you need more money, whatever it is, then who's got your money? In other words, go find your customer. You're not working hard enough to go find your customer because I don't care who you are. I don't care what your service is, what your product is. There is somebody, and quite honestly, I mean a lot of somebodies that wish that they could find the solutions that you have to offer. It's just a matter of you going out and finding them. And most people are not being unapologetic enough about going out and finding who's got their money. So when he says that, I tell you that that literally resonates with every cell in my body. Yeah, you know that one question. It's funny. I've got I'm, I've got Grant Cardone socks that say "Who's got your money?" <laughs> and, and such a great, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, it's an incredible focus question. You know, whether you're at a, a networking dinner or when I start my day, that's actually the first question I ask myself when I start my day. I think about, okay, yesterday I had three follow-up calls. Okay, there's three people who are in the pipeline. Uh, who do I need to send postcards to who uh, said I'm going to make a decision in the next 24 hours to join the mastermind? And uh, who do I need to follow up with from last week? And it immediately keeps you out of the weeds and it keeps you away from chasing pennies. Wouldn't you agree? Oh, it totally does. It. Listen, when you can stay focused on who's got my money, what you're really being focused on is who needs my solutions. And when you can focus on who needs my solutions, it literally just opens up the gates for you to go full speed ahead. When you can just focus on, all right, who needs me instead of, oh, I wish I could make a sale. Oh, things aren't going right. Oh, if you could just focus on who needs me, all the answers come flooding. Yeah, absolutely. Give me one more. What's one of your other favorites? 
you know, another favorite Grantism. Um, it's not coming to the, the the tip of my tongue, but I'll tell you one of my favorite things about him as a human being, and, and honestly, him and Elena, is that everybody sees the brash, loud, "Who's got my money?" side, yeah. right? Honestly, it comes from a place of such love that people forget that people forget that they care more about other humans being successful, other humans, not suffering financially, other humans, not suffering from a place of, you know, not being able to succeed. They care about that so much that they are willing to exhaust themselves and be unapologetic and and be loud enough to get your attention. And quite honestly, that is what sales is. In other words, do you care enough to have as many of those conversations as possible? Do you care enough to be unapologetically you and as loud as possible so that the people who need you can actually find you? And that is what they do so dang well. Yeah, I love it, especially with the fortune. You know, the fortune's not in the follow-up, the fortune's in the frequency of the follow-up. And, and uh, you know, we just had Black Friday. And I'd love to hear what you would say to, say, maybe a coaching member of yours who uh, didn't have uh, – maybe they didn't hit their targets over the weekend and they're disappointed, they're discouraged – you know, how, how do you, how do you get somebody refocused on, Hey man, you know, maybe with that, do you care you know, enough to follow up kind of angle? That's just it. So number one, I think if you're doing it right, you always set goals that are maybe more often than not unattainable, right? You come close, but you don't quite hit it. So you can't beat yourself up just because you are the one that moved the finish line so darn far. That's number one, put it in perspective. Number two, in every business, it's more about consistency than it is anything else. So don't bank on your Black Friday. Don't bank on your launch. Don't bank on your Cyber Monday. Don't bank on any of that. Hmm. What you need to bank on is consistency day in and day out. How many people are you attracting to your message day in and day out? How many people are you asking a yes or no question to in terms of would you like to try my product? How many people are you expanding your network by? If you just care about consistency when it comes to that stuff, I promise everything else will fall into place no matter what your industry is. I want to ask you about more key success habits of people near the top and the people that you're, um, you know, hanging out with. Uh, but w- with regards to what you guys do, like who who has your guys' money? Who's your target demographic? Who are you guys servicing and feel like you're called to help uh, more than anyone else? Oh, what a great question. So our sweet spot is anyone who is upper six figures or lower seven figures that want to learn how to create multiple revenue sources so that they are multiple seven figures or eight figures. That is absolutely our sweet spot. We love working with those people and especially couples because Lori and I have, we've been married 13 years. We've been entrepreneurs together for eight or nine of those years. And we have had to figure out through the ups and the downs and the sideways and the surprises, how to make it work as an entrepreneurial couple. Because listen, being married, I don't like when people say being married takes work or being married is tough. I don't believe in that. I believe if you find the right person, being married is pretty damn awesome. But I will tell you, being married obviously presents its own set of challenges that you have to learn how to navigate. And being married as entrepreneurs presents a whole another layer of added challenges. And so you have to be aware of them. You have to learn how to navigate those. And when you can do it, it is the greatest blessing on the planet. All right. We got, I got to ask the fun stuff now. So, so tell me about one of your guys, um, you know, challenges that's been, or maybe a reoccurring one that's, uh, you know, you're both aware of, but it what's, and, and don't worry, I'll chime in too. Cause we got our fair share of challenges on our <laughs> over here. So I'll leave you hanging. But yeah, when I came, when I came home from banking, I was used to hierarchy. I was used to whatever, Whatever your business title was, everybody else would listen to you. And I, I was also used to an atmosphere where we took the shortest route to a message, right? The most efficient route to a message. So I came home, decided to lock arms with Lori to grow entrepreneurial brands. And boy, did that not work at home. Like I would just take the shortest route to a message and she would shut down. She would, we'd have fights over it. I'd, I'd trigger something in her and everything was a disaster for the first six months. Matter of fact, when you ask her, she says, During that first six months, I thought, oh my God, this might not work. And boy, the marriage might not work. Mm -hmm. And finally, when it got so bad, we sat each other down and we said, how are we going to make this work? And she said, it's about the communication. She said, when you come at me, whether it's about a launch, about sales, about money, about budget, when you come at me as direct as you do, it actually triggers something in me that causes me to shut down, causes me to come from a place of scarcity or lack. And 
it's never going to work. Even if your message is correct, it's never going to work to come at me like that. Hmm. So we sat down and role played. Hmm. How do you want me to bring it up so that you can receive it? Or honey, when I need to bring up sales, how do you want me to bring it up so that you can receive it? And when we got that communication, not just figured out, but literally figured out and role played, everything else fell into line. So first and foremost, you've got to sit down and talk about how each other wants to be communicated with. You cannot assume that your message, even though it may be the correct message, is landing the right way on the other person. And that's where people go wrong is they don't have that conversation. So number one, iron out the communication. Number two, when you are a romantic couple building businesses together, during the day, you have to do a lot of very unsexy stuff. You have to talk about budgets or marketing or hiring or firing, you know, all these different things. And so you need to make sure that you don't put your relationship on a shelf and forget about it. You need mm. to make sure that you don't wait a week for date night or a month for date night or heaven forbid this happens a lot to people three months or six months for a date night or a little vacation. And all of a sudden you're supposed to snap back to get a couple. It doesn't work that way. Lori and I make sure that we come together as a couple every single freaking night at the end of our workday. And the way that we do that, and I invite your listeners, Vince, to find themselves in a story, right? So Mm -hmm. if they don't have a dog, don't be like, well, I don't have a dog. I can't do that. But the way we do that is every single morning when we wake up, I say, babe, when you done today? And she'll be like six o'clock. When are you done? Seven o'clock. We'll say, great. Put it on the calendar. Our dog walk is at 7.15. And come hell or high water, rain or shine, whether we hate each other that day or love each other that day, when 7.15 hits or whatever the end of the day is, we go on a mandatory, non-negotiable dog walk for one hour. Now, here's why it's important. Here's where I invite people to find themselves in our story. Um, I don't care if you go to the gym together. I don't care if you walk your dog together, walk your kids together, play in a park together, go to a coffee shop together. Just do something where you are physically removing yourself from where you just held battle all day. Do something where you are physically changing your state, right? where the moving your body part comes in, do something that creates the space for you to talk through anything that you need to talk through in order to become a couple again that day. And when we do that every single day, Vince, instead of letting a little bit of smoke turn into a fire, turn into a forest fire, Every day, all we're doing is just putting out a little bit of smoke at most. Hmm. And that has been the saving grace for our marriage. Oh, that's fantastic, man. You know, Chris, that's, I hope people really paid attention to that. You touched on two really big things there. Um, you know, just to start with the second one there. Um, my, my father, I don't think, uh, uh, you know, but he's an ordained minister and he marries people. He was a pastor for many years. And, uh, you know, one of the things he always says when he's marrying a new couple is that it's easy to divorce your spouse, but it's hard, almost impossible to divorce your best friend. And uh, I'm sure during that time, you guys really develop the friendship. You know, there's, I think we forget that the friendship is almost more important than the romantic side of things. And um, I think that's such a great reminder, you know, amongst the chaos that we carve out those non-negotiables. We put those big rocks in the jar, if you will. And uh, they happen rain or shine. That's, I think that's, it's easy when things are going well, but to do it, you know, rain or shine, I think that's really when the, the, the roots become strong. And And the great irony is it does. I mean, it does happen when things are bad. Like the great irony is this, when you address it every single day, when you create the space every single day, this non-negotiable, then you don't let anything get out of hand. You don't let these things become right. detrimental it's to like, your best friendship or your romantic relationship. It's like sweeping under, sweeping it under the rug, you know, until the point where you can't walk around the rug anymore. It's, it's, you know, you're not letting that, you know, uh, build up like most people do until it's too late. And uh, yeah, I mean, everything's recoverable from, but some things take a lot longer to recover from. So I like that, you know, preventative medicine, if you will. And, and, the, and the first point you made on how, like, how do you want me to communicate with you? Um, I mean, that can extend to every part of the relationship. And I mean, that's something I think I really need to work on because it is really just understanding how do you want me to bring up this conversation next time and realizing that it's rarely ever what you say. It's almost always how you say it and when you say it. And <laughs> it's, it's always. crazy. <laughs> 
you are so right. As a matter of fact, Lori used to tell me that all the time. Once in a while, she still will. She'll say, babe, there's nothing wrong with what you're saying. It's your delivery that sucks. Huh. And she's right. And she's so, right. So, so, so where do you get this teachability, man? Where, how, you know, how do you crush the ego, man? Because I know us men, we can have pride. It's tough to swallow sometimes. And, uh, you know, sometimes you feel like we're never enough. There's always something and like, Hey, why I, I, you know, I've had this challenge, you know, why can't she be grateful? Does she see how much I always do? And, and, uh, you know, speak to that. Totally. So number one, there's really two questions here, ego, and then also perspective. So I've got a saying that I made up for myself and that is ego is your greatest overhead. In other words, ego will cost you more than anything else on the wow. planet. Ego, ego will cost you your relationship. Ego will cost you business partnerships. Ego will cost you opportunities. Ego will cost you capital revenue. I can prove a hundred ways over how ego will cost you more than anything else on this planet. And that has been my biggest struggle until a few years ago, Vince. So if I'm being fully transparent, I was full of ego and I made decisions from ego and I made decisions based on, ooh, what will people think instead of making decisions based on good, good solid core value. Hmm. And I had to wake up and I had to choose to accept that ego has been my greatest overhead and has cost me more than anything else out there. And when I did... That is when the relationships showed up, the friendships showed up, the opportunities showed up, the money showed up, everything showed up when I learned to mitigate my ego. Now, that also translates into the relationship. And when, when we as males, right, um, when we as males say, well, I'm providing you a great house and, and you don't have to work and you don't have to do this and you don't have to do it like I used to believe. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I used, I'm guilty of that. Yeah, that's our value system, but it might not be their value system. And as human beings, we are all so different from each other that we cannot expect our value system to be their value system. And that's why we have to sit down and say, what does supporting you look like to you? And for Lori, I'll just use Lori and I as an example, support and being a great spouse to her means somebody that will get behind her ideas somebody that will cheer her on when she's down, somebody that will provide the space for her to analyze things over and over and over again, someone that will um, help connect the dots from her because she's a fantastic idea machine, uh, not as much of an implementer. So somebody who creates that space and that support system for her is her ideal partner. And when you sit down and ask everybody, hey, tell me what your ideal partnership would look like. How could I best serve you? You get the answers to the test instead of trying to view it from your paradigm. Yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, that requires listening and uh, just, you know, not judging them for what they need. I used to, you know, I, I had this buddy that, uh, man, he kept going through girlfriend after girlfriend after girlfriend and he had this gorgeous girl, awesome girl. We got to know her and he dumped her because I said, what the heck? Like that was the one, man. And he's like, oh, she's too high maintenance. She always needs flowers. I'm like, Dude, that's her gasoline, man. You can't hold that against her. And he thought there was something wrong with her. I'm like, you, you're not willing to just give her flowers as many. Get, get her freaking bouquet flowers every hour of the day, whatever. She, if that's all she needs and wants. And it's amazing. That kind of goes right to your ego point. Yeah. Boy, I love that when you say that's her gasoline. I haven't heard of it phrased that way. But you're right. Like, that's the fuel that they need to run on. They run on different fuel than we do. And we have to accept that and embrace that. Yeah. Hey, I want to hear about what you advise to couples. You know, I think there's a big, um, you know, phase where if there's no kids, it's a little different. So, you know, Flavia, we built up her business to, um, you know, multi six figures within the first three years of us being married, but we had no kids. You know, our lives were, I, I swear, this was our life, gym, restaurants, movies, and work. I mean, about 80%, obviously there was family in there and stuff too. But 80% of her life was consumed by those four things. When we had kids, uh, we experienced some conflict, quite a bit of friction, hard to be on the same page because all of a sudden we have a newborn with new needs. And, um, you know, we've been navigating that now for five years with kids, but uh, she's now full-time mommy. You know, we're now in the transition process of finding her place with helping me to align and work on one thing together because we've experienced it's way too hard to do two businesses in one house, two budgets, two payrolls, two teams, and kids. It's like, what are we doing here? I just want to hear your take on, I look at Grant and Elena, and, and they're aligned on one vision. They're, they're not mm -hmm. both trying to do separate things. And there's a big conversation to be had. And, 
you know, initially when I brought that whole vision up, it was like, well, I don't want to be your sidekick or your, you know, other choice of words. I'm like, no, that's not the way I see it at all. Kind of give some advice to the men maybe to plant the vision for the wife to come on board. Or do you think that's, what, what's your take on all this? So in our home, they have three distinct companies that each of us have 50-50 ownership in. But from the, like outside looking in, you'd look and you'd say, oh, one is hers, one is his, and one is theirs. And I feel like what you have to really do is empower your partner to show up and to be honest about what their hopes and dreams are Mm -hmm. and what role they want to play. And when you pose the question to them, so if I were to go to Lori and say, babe, you know, I know that I've got this thing over here and it's totally thriving and you've got a lot of great assets that would help with it. But I also know that may not be all you want. What do you want one year from now? What would be your ideal situation? Then that gives them the space to answer what their ideal situation is. So let's use Grant and Elena. I don't want to speak for them, but Elena might say, Grant, I just want to support you. I want to show up big and be a part of what you're doing. Great. They have that agreement. Lori, on the other hand, she says, I want to support you and I will. But boy, do I have some big ideas. I'm going to knock out myself. And she's doing that. And I wouldn't know that about her without having that conversation. Hmm. So basically, there's no formula, but do you feel like at a certain level, the couple needs to align on fewer things or one thing to keep something moving? Well, here's how I'd answer that. It's easier to build one thing together if both people are happy with building one thing together. Gotcha. But if one of the partners are not going to building that one thing. If they're always, they may not speak up, but if in the back of their head, they're always going to feel like they're in the shadow or they're not, you know, they're just behind the scenes and that's not where they want to be. Then all you're doing is stuffing a monster in a closet for later. So you've got to have that conversation up front to say, how do you want to show up in one year? How do you want to show up in three years? And let's make sure we're planting the seeds now and choosing the directions now that will make sure that you are going that direction. And if that's one company between the two of you, awesome. But if that's two or three or four or five companies between the two of you, that's okay too. You just learn to create the staff and the support system that will help you thrive. Hey, you know, I'm finding this conversation extremely helpful because, you know, I'm the kind of guy that kind of likes being told what to do and trying to just like, you know, just, just tell me what the the program is, you know, what's the system. And, And what you're really reminding us here of is that, you know, communication comes first and, and above all else, each other's needs needs to come first because this is the foundation. And then from there, yeah, it might look different for certain couples. Would that be safe to say? Is that what we're, we're saying here? Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I would kind of tie it together like this. I would say, just like we were talking about in sales in the beginning of the podcast, how to ask the best open-ended questions is the best at sales. The same thing goes for relationships hmm. and the same thing goes for choosing or declaring how you want to show up later. And that is the more good questions you ask of your spouse or your business partner, the easier of a path you're going to have because you're going to know exactly where they want to go. That's fantastic. By the way, this was extremely helpful. I don't think enough uh, men are having these conversations. So I think it's really great to just be open and transparent about the challenges. Uh, What would you consider one of your personal challenges in in a relationship with an individual who has his own goals, his own dreams. And, uh, you know, what are you working on these days? So I've always been in pretty good shape and I've always worked out. I mean, every single day of our life we work out, but I know that I could be healthier. I know I could make better choices. I know I could be even leaner. I just (laughs) don't make, I don't make those A plus choices. I make like B plus choices, right? Or I'll make A plus choices for a couple of go right back to a whole bunch of B choices. And so one of the things I'm working on is how do I take that next step in my health and in my physicality without, and and making it fit my lifestyle. And there's always an answer. There's always a way. I just haven't made it a priority. So I'm choosing to make that a prior priority right now going forward. I'm, I'm 41 years old and I feel like there's something really cool about, you know, when you start to get into the forties and that is it's kind of this make or break decade for the rest of your life. It's kind of the decade where you're either going to, you know, take a right turn towards everything epic, or you're going to take a left turn where everything starts falling apart. 
and the choice is up to you. And it, when you make that choice, it's really a choice of what kind of habits you're going to do on a regular basis and how you're going to show up on a regular basis. So I'm just hyper-conscious of that from a physical standpoint right now. I'm hyper-conscious of that from a financial standpoint right now, making sure that we are investing in the right startups and the right companies and the right opportunities that will come back to pay us exponentially later, making sure that we're making the right investments in our long term future. I'm just hyper-focused on setting ourselves up during this one decade of my life so that our kids, when we have them and our, our future family and everything else can be a breeze. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. No, the health is great, man. I mean, so you're looking to lean out a little bit more? Yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, you know, somebody who sees me with my, my, my shirt on and, and, uh, you know, or maybe with no sleeves or something like that, say, what are you talking about? You're, you're doing just fine. When I look at myself in the mirror, I know there's another level that would make me happier. I know there's another level that would make me feel like I'm healthier. And that's what I'm concentrating on right now. Oh, that's great, man. Well, I'll send you some pre-workout after this to uh, uh, kick your energies up. (laughs) Yes, I'd love that. Thank you, man. Yeah, I created an all-day energy formula for entrepreneurs. That is awesome. I cannot wait to try that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People love it. It's pretty awesome. So, okay, cool. So, when you know, let's say I come to your mastermind and... um, I'm in the hot seat. What, what, what is your specialty? Where are people turning to you for the answers for most? What would you say your gift is in business and helping guys scale from that, you know, high six figures to seven figures to eight figures? Mm, great question. So let me start with this. <laughs> there's so many skill sets I wish I had, and there's so many things I do wrong, and there's so many big gaps in my arsenal. But the one or two things that I have been able to bank on as a superpower forever, whether it was in the car business, whether it was in banking, whether it was in the other companies that we built, it's always been this. Number one, I am a great visionary for our company or anybody else's. I can help pull that vision out of somebody and I can work backwards to build the set of tracks on how you're going to get there. And that's Mm -hmm. such an important exercise to do. Number two, I have become really, really good at connecting the right personalities and the right opportunities up with each other. I am always eyes wide open on who would be good to match with this person, who would be good to match with this other person, and creating those relationships. I call it relationship capital. And the more of those beneficial relationships that I go out there and I create, the more relationship capital I actually build for myself. And I'm a big believer that relationship capital is as valuable, if not more valuable, believe it or not, than capital capital, good old-fashioned money. Because when you're broke or when you have an idea and you don't have the money for it, it's your relationship capital that will come through for you, right? You could, Like we said earlier, who's got your money? Yeah, well, get, if you've got a lot of... Re- sorry, go, yeah, yeah, keep going. I was just going to say, I want to hear an example in a second. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I'll give you an example right now. Um, in my mastermind, I always have a celebrity entrepreneur come and do, have dinner with us and do Q&A on mm-hmm. Thursday night when we kick it off three times a year. And one of the celebrity entrepreneurs, two masterminds ago, he had to back out very last minute for a great opportunity. And when I say last minute, I mean the day before. So my relationship capital kicked in. I reached out to somebody named Tim Story. I said, Tim, brother, I need you to help me out. I know that you're traveling right now. Um, My celebrity dinner guest backed out for tomorrow night. Is there any chance you can make it back to LA on time and come as my uh, celebrity entrepreneur? And he said, brother, I've got you. And he went from, you know, landing to the airplane, into the car, to the dinner and made it happen like, like it was his plan all along. Mm -hmm. And it's that relationship capital where you call somebody up, you say, I need you. And they say, I got you. It's that relationship capital that'll always come through for you. You know, I think we could talk about this for a while. And, uh, you know, I think that's one of the reasons I've been, you know, relatively successful. You know, the, the guys that, um, I do business with, I mean, heck, we've been friends for almost a decade now. I mean, many of them were at my wedding party. And what's so super cool now is like the wives are great friends and heck, our kids, like I got so many buddies, you know, Mike Westerdale and Joel Marion and uh, um, Dave Ruel and our kids are literally growing up together now. <laughs> wow, that's so cool. And, and there were just relationships that started off naturally and uh, you know, started off as I would say transactional relationships. You know, they were relationships that we were um, that were being built to help uh, each other make money together. But now they've evolved to, you know, truly like, you know, friends before business relationships. And um, that's the best thing you can have. I'm telling you, when you know that you've got those 
those people in your corner, there's a whole nother set of confidence yeah. that comes along with that. Confidence that you've got people to help you. Confidence that if things go awry, you've got advice. Confidence that people will come through when you're having an up moment or a down moment. That is the best thing on the planet. I love hearing that you've got that in your corner. Hey, so while we're on this, how, how do you um, start uh, establishing contact? I'd love to hear, uh, you know, let's say you've got someone on your radar. I'm sure you've got someone on your radar for your next masterminds. Uh, I don't know if you always reach inside your network or if you go outside, but let's think about somebody outside your network and uh, walk me through a couple of the steps. How, how are we going to strategically um, get a, the next day list celebrity at your next event? It's such a great question, actually, because people, I think they, they rush this mm-hmm. and you always got to be thinking several steps down the road, right? So people go from nice to meet you to, oh my God, would you ever talk at my mastermind or, oh my God, would you do this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Right. And, and they don't realize that these people are being bombarded with requests like this. And why would they do something when they just met you? So I always have my eye. Number one, I always take my time. I play the long game with everything. Number two, I always have my eye out for how can I serve this person? Let's say they have a new book coming out. I'll buy a few hundred books of theirs and hand them out to people in my mastermind and to my friends and be like, Hey, love what your book's all about. Bought a few hundred, gave them to my friends. Or let's say they have, um, something they, they, a message they want to share or a product that they're doing for a launch. I'll say, Hey, come on the show. You know, I've got tons of listeners. I would love to interview you and have you talk about your such and such that you're launching. Um, or, I will go to their events and I'll participate in their stuff so that by proximity, they see that I'm supporting everything they're doing on a regular basis, start to warm up that relationship, turn it into drinks or dinner or something like that, and play that long game until you have that kinship where they're willing to come and do something for you. So the key is always playing the long game and having your eye on how can I support or serve that person 10 times over before I ask for anything of them. I love it, man. Yeah, yeah. So the, the podcast is a great place. You know, that's that's such an awesome place to start establishing value for each other. Uh, going to their events, you know, paying to play, you know, just supporting their events. I love that. Uh, and, and buying their books. Like, that's so smart. Uh, anything else to that? Because I think there's there's also the talk to me a bit about the self-confidence piece, because I think there's a piece there where guys are like, I get it. Those those are great strategies, Chris. I get it. But th- they're afraid. And, and uh, I recently reached out to two guys Stan Efferding and Christian Thibodeau, they're two of the biggest industry leaders when it comes to strength training, bodybuilding, and they were in town for an event, the Swiss Symposium. And uh, I've been in the industry for over 10 years. I shouldn't be afraid to reach out to them, but all of a sudden I started suffering imposter syndrome. I'm like, what if they think uh, Vince is that marketer? Uh, I don't know if I want to be seen with them. And I was afraid to send the text message. I, mm. I sent the text message to both of them. I said, hey, I'd love to pay for an hour of your time when you're in town. And I'd love for you to train me. I wanted uh, Stan to teach me how to deadlift. And I want uh, Christian to teach me how to squat. And um, I said, you know, I'll pick you guys up. And uh, like within a, kid you not, 10 minutes, they both emailed me back and said, no need to pay. Love to do that. I had them both on my podcast. One came to my home. I got a YouTube video actually coming out uh, in the next hour with, um, with Stan. And then the next one's coming out this weekend with Christian. And we created some great content, and uh, I hooked them up with the content. I said, "Hey, if you guys want to share this, you know, I edified them in the video. It wasn't about me; it was about them." And 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 we'll see where it goes. But um, talk to talk to the listeners about having the confidence to reach out to somebody who seems untouchable. I like I'm, I, I want to reach out to this question. I want to reach out to this. Yeah, there's so many guys I want to reach out to, but I'm like, but what if he ghosts me? Um, yeah. Yep. Okay. So number one, I got so many answers. Look, great question. Number one, if you reach out to somebody and they don't answer or the timing's not right, that's okay. Like you cannot, you cannot be attached to the outcome. You have to be attached to the action, right? And there's such a difference when you're not attached to the outcome, instead be attached to the action of reaching out to the people that you want to meet and some will, some won't. So what next? Um, Number two, and even more important is this, when people get, become afraid, when people play the comparison game. It's typically because they're comparing, well, their business is so much bigger. Their audience is so much bigger. Their money is so much bigger. Their this is so much bigger. Why would they want to meet me? Hmm. And the problem is you're comparing the wrong things. What you need to compare is what type of human being are you? How do you show up? Do you have interesting conversations? Are you a loving person? Are you a trustworthy person? And 
when you can check all those boxes, then those are the kind of people that they want to meet and be around. Trust me, when you want to reach out to the A-list celebrities, they don't need any more <laughs> connections. They don't need any more capital. They don't need any more of that. They have yeah, it knocking yeah. down their door. So don't be the person trying to bring that. Be the person bringing somebody who literally just is a good, caring, loving human being. Humor, maybe it's your great brainstorming. Whatever it is that you have to offer that's in your personality, that is what you use to reach out with. That is why people want to be around you. Hmm. Who's on your radar, man? Let's see here. You know, I would love to, and talk about stretch goals, I would love to be able to interview and get to know Mark Cuban. Matter of fact, talk about trying to be in proximity. My wife and I have courtside seats to the Lakers game tomorrow night, and they're playing against the Dallas Mavericks. So I know Mark Cuban will be there. So I'm, you know, trying to get in my my boy's view right there on on the court. So Mark Cuban would be one. Um, Richard Branson would absolutely be one. Um... You know, little things like that. And, and there's already, we're already doing, making moves to try and put that into play though, but in a very long term vision kind of way. So right. just like going to the Dallas Mavericks game, sitting on the court tomorrow night, Lori is going to Necker Island in May as a part of a mastermind where Richard is not only hosting, but um, speaking at. So it's slowly planting those seeds and taking advantage of those opportunities where you can start to appear in these people's lives that you eventually want to get to know. Yeah, I love that. Why, why is that important for you? You know, I'm, I'm curious because, uh, you know, obviously there's the elevation of your celebrity, your authority to learn, to expand your thinking in that. But, uh, you know, uh, what would the benefit of uh, being connected with Mark Cuban be for you? You know, uh, let me actually start with Richard Branson. Okay, cool. uh, For Richard Branson, it's the way he lives his life. So, I don't know if you've ever read Losing My Virginity. I have which actually. Is, is my, yeah. yeah, such a great book. And then he's got another one. Um, there's a screw business as usual, I think it's called, I, I which is the, all really about coming from a conscious standpoint about you know your business. And, and only conscious businesses will succeed and businesses that are for purpose that will succeed. I love the way that he, he's my aging hero. He is my entrepreneurial hero. He is my humanitarian hero. He checks all the boxes. He leads the kind of life that I would absolutely learn and love to learn how to lead going forward. So that's, that one is, is what checks all the boxes for me, for him, for Mark Cuban. I just absolutely love his personality. I love his, his directness. I love the way his mind thinks. If you ever watch him on shark tank or on anything else or listen, read his interviews, his mind is so efficient and direct. And I love that. And that's the kind of person that I, I want to be inspired by. Well, one of my favorite Mark Cuban quotes is, uh, perfection is the enemy of prophets. <laughs> mm-hmm. Isn't that the truth? We, we share that one a lot in our group. Uh, okay, well, that's great. I, I think it's really important to continue to, uh, you know, just get around these people. Uh, because, you know, I've been told, yeah, Vince, you already have a great network. Why more? Why more? And, and you don't know what you don't know. You know, I recently brought my coaches. I've got four coaches who support me in growing our, our mastermind and, so, and uh, coaching our members. And I brought them out to see Bedros. And they knew he's good. Like, they know I pay him. I'm a part of his empire group. But after the group meeting, we had three hours, a half a day with him, just uh, closed door. It was incredible. Uh, they, we all walked away and they all just stared at me. And they said, holy crap. I knew he was good, but I didn't know he was that good. Oh, he is a special soul, man. He is one of the best, most talented people, period. I freaking love Bedros. And, and, that's, and that's the reason everybody listening needs to continue to get around bigger minds and uh, people who are taking different types of action because I really find that you know leveling up isn't so much working harder because I think everyone's equally working hard, but it's all really how you think and how you act. And, uh, that's really the, the difference maker and, uh, your ability to stay focused on what matters and being able to say no to, uh, the things that, you know, have to leave for another lifetime. <laughs> you know, here's, you, you said it best when you said it, people always say, Vince, why do you want to keep up leveling your tribe? You already have a great tribe. It's because I want to keep up leveling myself yes. and I need that next level of human beings at all times that will expect more out of me. Like you said that you don't know what you don't know. That'll give me the new ideas that will, you know, give me that one nugget that I wouldn't have thought of on my own. I need and desire to be pushed on a regular basis. And that is why I love expanding in all ways at all times. 
who, who are you learning from? Do you have a, a, a specific coach or mentor at the moment? Who, who's kind of giving you your marching orders? Do you have anyone so right I'm, now? I'm in between uh, one-on-one coaches right now. I've really been learning just from the circle of friends that I've uh, put together. You know, we have good, intimate uh, nothing's off limits type of conversations, not only about business, but about life and all that stuff. So one of my, my great friends and mentors is, is Lewis house. We was just went oh, to cool. Lakers game this past weekend. And you know, he's somebody that I can sit down with and say, whether it's in my life, whether it's in my um, business, whether it's in anything, I know I can ask him the questions to get the direct answers. Um, there's just Bedros actually it's one of them. Ironically that you brought him up, he, you know, he and I are just like, you know, when you just have that chemistry, yeah. You have that chemistry is the, the two of us for sure. So some of those great human beings like that. I have a, a question about your, your coaching program. What's um? so I'd love to hear how you guys grow it and um, what's the process of uh, like, how do you market it? And uh, just kind of some of the behind the scenes strategies, because we have a lot of people who want to start coaching programs. I have a coaching program. So I'm really curious and there's not that many, you know, uh, especially, you know, in the fitness space, uh, there's, uh, I think I'm like, Bedros has got his, I know his, uh, monthly is uh, more than mine. And then, uh, I believe I might have the biggest or second biggest one in the fitness space, but there's not really, from what I understand, you guys have a pretty big mastermind coaching program as well. I believe Lewis Howes does as well, but there's not many people, uh, who are running, really big and successful mastermind. So I'd love to just hear a bit about um, what it's called, who it's for. I mean, you said a bit about that, but like, who it's for and how you're growing it and uh, and why people are sticking around. Yeah, for sure. So uh, my mastermind is called For the Love of Money Mastermind. It just goes right along with the brand. And we not only teach you business acumen, but we also expand your money mindset and your what you expect out of yourself. And I actually cap it. Here's the great irony. Instead of growing it, I cap it. I cap okay. mine at 34 businesses. So it fills up really, really quick each year, right? And it's 34 businesses at 30 grand. And throughout the year, we treat each other as a family. I call them a family. And part of my interview process, I actually ask them, what gifts do you have that you'd be most excited to bring into the family in 20 or whatever year we're going into? Hmm. And it's their answer to that that usually makes or breaks their invitation into the group. Matter of fact, full transparency I offer one out of every three or one out of every four when I do my phone interviews spots in the group because what I take most serious and, and here's a key for anyone trying to build a coaching program out there. What I take most seriously is getting the right people in the room, not just a certain quantity of people in the room because you are always selling next year's program. You're never selling this year's program. Mm. You're always selling next year's program based by getting the right personalities in a room that literally could not imagine existing without each other. And when you create that kind of bond, when you create that kind of um, collaboration, that is where all the magic happens. I make sure that when people say, yes, I'll do this, that they are in it for the entire year Mm. as much for each other's business as they are for their own. Holy cow. I feel like I just, uh, you know, got 10x the uh, investment time here with you just from that one one idea what will you be bringing to the table that is such a powerful awesome question because i mean one it riff to me it tells me your growth mindset it expresses your abundance mindset it, it expresses confidence that hey you know without so many words we don't need you we're looking for the right people and uh, I, I love that you know this is gonna you know flourish with or without you we need to make sure though you know you're going to contribute and and man oh man you you must have an incredible group oh my god they're the best and that's why i call them a family is i and there's the other thing i show up for them like they are family members the way i expect them to show up for each other like they are family members and when when that is the theme when that is when that is the glue as to how you operate everything else just falls into place so much easier matter of fact when you have that approach people quickly realize you're not creating a mastermind so that you can be the teacher. You're creating a mastermind so you can just facilitate the collaborations and the teachings amongst each other. Yeah, that's a, I, you know, I, I learned that one from B, and he said, you know, as um, the group grows and you, you bring, a, you know, more and more high caliber people in the group, you really you're running air traffic control. Yeah, you really are. And, and you really, really are. You're not really even so much talking about what to do. You know, the what to do is, is kind of a, you know, you can kind of get that anywhere. You know, the, the truth of the matter, 
everything works if you don't quit. Yeah, <laughs> Whether you want to do YouTube, Instagram, <laughs> Facebook, you want to do low ticket, high ticket, webinar, video sales letter, long form sales, it all works. There's, there's, there's nothing that doesn't work. The question is, is do you stick it out long enough to test it, optimize it, get support, get critical mass? And that's like you said at the start of the call, that call comes back to time and consistency. It does. Uh, it exp- everything's an experiment. And fi- by the way, just so people know, when you finally get that experiment figured out, it's going to change on you. So oh, expect yeah. that. Everything <laughs> is an ongoing experiment. And those who are willing to stick it out, to use your words, yeah. are the ones that win. Yeah. Offer fatigue. Yeah. You know, once that offer, you know, all of a sudden you need, you know, everyone wants new, you know, it's just, it's the world we're in. Chris, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners who are maybe at the earlier stages of their entrepreneurial journey? You know, mentally prepare them for, for, for what's ahead of them so that they're prepared to go the distance and, and build a thriving business over the coming years. And, and not, you know, as you know, the first year is the hardest. Would you, would you agree? The first year is like we see the most drop off in the first. I tell everybody, just get your butt through the first year. Live tight. Have the conversation with your spouse. You're going to be stealing time and money from the family to get this off the ground, but you have to know why you're doing this. And this is a, a lot of temporary pain for, you know, long-term gain. And you just have to be honest with yourself. I love to hear how you set people's expectations more. So the beginners coming in, um, with how to go the distance. There's probably three things that I teach the most. Number one, we talked about earlier, and that is ego is your greatest overhead. And when you get into business, you better learn how to mitigate your ego because that will be what opens or closes doors for you. And of course, you want open doors. So number one, ego is your greatest overhead. Learn to mitigate that. Number two, giving is the secret to absolutely everything you want. So I don't care what your business is. I don't care how big your goals are. You need to give your way there. You need to give to other relationships to build that relationship capital. You need to give more behind your products. You need to give more to your service. You need to give more to your staff, to your team. You need to give more to your customers. Giving, that heart of giving is the secret to absolutely everything that you want in business. And the third one is, I'll take this over fast start. I'll take this over talent. I'll take this over anything. And that is consistency. And that is why, by the way, anybody can learn to succeed consistency is what you're going for. Don't get so attached to the damn outcome. Become attached to the consistency of your your actions. Wow. This is like crazy, super powerful, man. Um, Absolutely outstanding. I I love to uh, just finish off on a note and, you know, we'll get to uh, where everybody can uh, follow you and get connected with what you're, what you're up to. What are you looking forward to most uh, in 2019? I'm sure it may be hard to say one thing, but you know, if you had to narrow it down, so in 2019, it's going to be a huge year of, of growth and shift. I am actually launching an entry-level mastermind uh, to go in addition to the elite one that I have. So most people don't know that. Actually, that's kind of a breaking news thing right now. So I'm excited about that. Oh, cool. The other thing that I'm excited about is my wife, who everybody has known so long as you know, the, the fitness individual and the, um, the author and the speaker and all that is really taking a year to take a big left turn and she's rolling out some huge, huge projects and they're projects that are aimed at, you know, lifting other people up, creating a platform that lifts other people up instead of trying to be the influencer yourself. And I'm really, really excited about, you know, what we're going to do with what she has in mind as well. Right in line with your giving. Yeah. You know, you know it. Yeah. That's, that's our ethos. That, that's fantastic. Uh, well, hey, Chris, man, if you guys ever come back to Toronto anytime soon, we're definitely going to get a steak. Let's do it. That our, sounds great. We our, will be coming back, and I will let you know. Yeah, yeah, our treat. And um, uh, definitely uh, we'll have to link up when I come out west sometime. And, uh, man, it's been a pleasure, man. I've learned so much in such a short period of time, and I'm super glad that we connected, man. I love what you're doing. Where can people get plugged into your world? You know, the only place that uh, you can find me right now is on Instagram at Chris W. Harder. I've made a commitment to answer every single business question that comes through DM. And also on my podcast, ForTheLoveOfMoney.com. Awesome. Well, hey, listen, guys, I'm super pumped to get this uh, podcast out. And hey, in in the theme of uh, what Chris was sharing with us today, giving, you know, one of the things you guys can do to start making this habit a part of your life is to share this podcast with a friend, with some friends, with a family member, and just start flexing that muscle of generosity. And just, uh, you know, I'm a true believer that 
we only get more if we manage what we've already been given well. Ooh, yes. And so uh, good. I truly believe that, you know, the big guy upstairs doesn't give us more if we're not uh, a good steward of our gifts and uh, the opportunities and the blessings that we've already been given. And uh, I I truly see that the uh, most successful people are go-givers. And uh, hey, do a little uh, favor for us today and share this podcast with a friend. And uh, hey, tag both of us when you uh, listen to this podcast. Tag us both. And uh, uh, maybe Chris will shout you out and uh, I'll definitely shout you out as well and share some love back with you guys too. And and we'd really appreciate getting this message out to more people because, uh, you know, there's some really valuable lessons here, guys. And heck, the one ego is your biggest overhead. Holy cow, that should be your net. Are you writing a book anytime soon, Chris? That should be the title of a book, though. Holy cow. I know, I know. I'm thinking about it. I got some things in the works. Well, there's your title, man. <laughs> At least a subtitle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's been my greatest lesson all along. Holy cow. Hey, Chris, I uh, want to thank you so much for uh, your wealth of wisdom and knowledge and generosity with uh, your experiences with us here on the show today. Vince, my friend, thank you for having my, me on. I loved getting to know you a little bit here and can't wait to connect again. For sure, man. Thank you. You bet. Hey, hey, hey. If you're an entrepreneur and you are ready to take your online business to the next level and you want to jump on a quick call with me or one of my seven-figure coaches to map out your path to seven figures, then go to my Instagram at Vince Del Monte and just shoot me a quick DM and we'll jump on a call. We'll see where you're at, where you want to go. We'll figure out your millionaire math, your millionaire path, and we'll see if you're a good fit for a seven-figure mastermind. That's our 12-month coaching program where we hold you by the hand and take you every step of the way to the next level of profits and impact. Look forward to talking to you.